Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCKK, the podcast where we explore the mysteries of the universe and answer life's ultimate questions. Not really. Actually, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be sharing stories and strategies for supporting TCKs in all walks of life. And joining us on the podcast today is Anastasia Fuentes. Anastasia, welcome to the show. Muchas gracias. So, um, Anastasia, I've got to start with the ultimate TCK question. Where are you from? As an ultimate TCK, this answer has evolved a lot over the years. Um, right now, if I have the time, I tend to say that I am descended from Northwestern Europeans. I am a U.S. citizen, and I was born and raised in Central Africa, primarily the Democratic Republic of Congo. And that I am married to a man with three passports from different places. So that generally tends to set the ground quite well as um, as to their expectations regarding me to fit certain boxes or not, which is helpful. <laughs> so are you trying to fit boxes or trying to like stay out of I'm it? I'm just trying to break the corners. Okay. You know, Yeah. we're sure. all in one giant box. Yeah. Together. I suppose so. One giant box called Earth slash Life. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna steal that and use it somehow. Please do. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, Anastasia, um, I wanted to ask, what, in your opinion, was slash is the hardest part of being a TCK? Oh, we're starting with the dark side. Yeah, Ooh. starting with the dark side, and then we'll, move, <laughs> then we'll move happier from there. All right, that sounds good. Um. I think one of the hardest things is um, the identity and community topic. Um, it just, especially for people who move a lot, um, it's just really hard to be, so I'm now 31 and just realizing I've never had consistent people in my life um, since I left my family and I don't know if I will be around my family in the same place anymore because now we're all TCKs and there was a point last year where in my immediate family we were living on like four or five continents. Um, and so it's just kind of realizing I will never have the sort of story that I read about in like classic novels or whatever where you have a community where everyone knows each other and you've had people who've known you for 20 years or since you were a kid. Um, I guess if I stay here now, um, hopefully I live for another 20 years. Um, but it's just, it's, it's just really hard to have to always explain all the things over and over again. Um, and then to have people not fully understand your experience. So, you said that you don't feel like you will ever have the, um, the sort of the meta narrative that you experience in novels where people have a community and are well known um, by their community and that sort of thing. Um, how do you how do you live with that or move past that? Uh, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Um, Come on. Straight up. Um, yeah, so I've seen four to five therapists since college, and that's been part of processing um, 
my story. So I'm kind of more comfortable in my own skin and I understand my own reactions and my own responses. Um, I think at this point I would kind of have a reaction to most types of people in different ways because <laughs> I've lived with so many different people and I've lived in regions of um, the world and with different cultures and um, just living life you always get hurt in one way or another and uh, it's maybe kind of derailing it but I it just came to mind that like here in the states for example when there have been like hurts from one community to another and it can be tied to racial or ethnic demographics it's easier to keep living segregated and not have to encounter each other as much which is part of the problem for sure because then people are never um working towards actually healing the wounds inside them which continue to perpetuate violence in between different demographics of people um but when you've lived in so many different places, there's really no place to go where you would be free from, from things that could trigger you. Um, and so I think it's just so important. I think it's important for everyone to go to therapy, honestly. Um, it's just helpful. But for me, it's been really helpful because um, they get they give me words for stuff that I'm experiencing that I wouldn't know how to name otherwise, and it also they can tie things to normal, more like normal experiences that I didn't know I had a connection to, and that really helps me feel maybe not as alien sometimes or to understand how I can better connect to other people which. Our stories may look really different, but there are experiences that can be shared. Um, because ultimately, like if I'm going to live as a whole healed person, no matter where I am, I need to be able to keep putting myself out there, putting myself forward, reaching out to people. Um, I don't have enough of a bandwidth of community where I can just withdraw and only hang with my friends that I've known since kindergarten or whatever. Um, and depending on whether I move again, you know, after grad school or whatever, like that's, that needs to be, um, a strength that I can draw on really just for survival, um, but also to thrive. And so for me, one of the most helpful ways has been therapy. Um, I'm, I'm sure that there are other ways too, of being able to, um, connect with people and everything, but I feel things really deeply. And so if I, if I have pain from a certain, you know, demographic of people, um, I really need to work through that in order to be able to live at peace, like in my heart and just also in community. Um, and that has definitely been an ongoing process. Hmm. I think it's interesting that you're talking about how therapy gives you language for your experience and your journey. And I was doing uh, another interview, I think I've already published it, um, where I asked this girl what she would do differently about the way she grew up, um, if she could change something. And she said, just to be more self-aware. And hmm. there wasn't like an event that she would have changed or circumstances. It was just to be more self-aware through those things. And I thought that's that's profound, right? 
because if we're self-aware, mm. then um, then we're able to um, really be present in the moment and to um, accept the grief and the sadness uh, because that's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. And mm. um, just to process through those things and, and kind of live your life. Um, so awareness, yeah. yeah, language, it's all really important stuff. And it's really cool that yeah. you can find that in therapy too. Yes. Yeah. Therapy is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So if you don't mind my asking, um, who is it harder for you to live with, Americans or internationals? <laughs> well, so I'm going to I'm gonna push on that question a little bit even because um, now I'm married to someone from Chile and having roomed with people from Peru and other Latin South American countries, um, I have pretty much discontinue the use of American in the way that we tend to use it, which is not a pushback against you because it's obviously super common. Sure. Um, but as people in the whole continent of the Americas would say, like, we're all American <laughs> in different ways, um, which has been quite a topic. But anyways, um, I would say probably the hardest demographic for me right now is conservative white evangelical um, U.S. citizens. I'm going there. I have been going through a deconstruction process of my own faith and a deconstruction process of my identity, not as just a TCK, but also as a person with a U.S. passport, also as a person with skin color, which identifies me as being you know, you know, originated from Scandinavia, basically. Um, and all of these things have been imbued with this meaning now, which is being weaponized. And when, when Christianity and faith is wrapped around that, it's so violent and and, and it's hard because this is this is like the community that I come from. Um, it's a community it's, it's that quote I was unquote, raised your in. Your people, right? And yeah, yeah, they they are my people in in a lot of the senses of the word. And so I've been trying to figure out what to do with all that. And it's not that most of them most of them don't like fully realize what's happening. I think. Um, there are those who do and who are um, just more violent in their thoughts and their ways and their words. Um, but I think most most have no idea because it's how our whole country has been shaped for hundreds of years. And um, I'm just, I'm scared. Like, I grew up learning about World War II and Nazis. And they were always, you know, painted as like the ultimate evil. And now I see Nazis marching in the streets publicly in the United States and people dying and Christian missionary kids, like grown ass Christian missionary kids whose parents almost died in World War II are more concerned about Antifa and the left than they are about straight up Nazis. And I'm just like, I just have no words. You know, I... You know, family that that circles around their interpretation of God and their interpretation of community and feeling really holy about it, 
um, and not making, not really like making the time or effort to desegregate themselves and to really listen to people who are different, who've had different experiences. Um, I saw a post on Facebook yesterday, which I'm debating whether or not to respond to, where someone shared a bumper sticker on a car that was joking about how heaven has borders and a strict immigration policy and hell has open borders. And I was like, do you know how much your heaven is other people's hell? People who are literally trying to immigrate the right way, but for a thousand reasons have been stuck in a hell, an absolute hell. Um, there are people in my small group who have broken down in small group because of words that other Christians told them related to their immigration status. And, and this person, like they've been trying for 12 years and they've been stuck in immigration limbo. Like they've been trying everything they can. So all of this to say, I'm just, I'm just really struggling with how to deconstruct my narrative around what it is to embody the space that I embody with the privilege that I have and the experiences that I have and all of that. Um, and at the same time, figure out, is there a way to articulate this to other people so that they can understand too? Because my, like, I would love to see people understanding each other and caring about each other. And I think that a lot of white conservative evangelical Christians, um, they, they care a lot and they care about God. They care about other people, but there, there are certain things that have either like brought an obstacle in between them and other people or them understanding other people, or there's just like a, there's a gap. There's like, I just see those like, like two cliffs and like people keep throwing like a rope, you know, or a ladder or something. And it's just not catching. Like there's just this gap and I'm trying to figure out how to bridge it. Um, and it's just painful because, you know, I, I especially, I feel that I notice this a lot because I grew up segregated um, and I grew up as a minority in Congo in Central Africa. And there are reasons for that. Um, I don't understand all of them. I know that I was sexually abused when I was like four. Um, and we were also the only Western, you know, white, quote unquote, white family with children at the missionary station I was at when I was a kid for several years and my dad's a pilot. And so he would uh, be gone flying all day. And my mom had like six, seven kids. And, you know, it was, you know, I was given the example, if you want to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, we would make the bread, we would make the jelly, we would make the peanut butter. Like it was, we had an iron cast stove, you know, with wood, wood fire. Like it was, it's just a lot of work just to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I don't want to imply that I'm, you know, putting any kind of blame or shame or whatever on my parents or anyone else, but it's just kind of the world that I grew up in. And I'm trying to understand what led to, what led to this world where it's safest for me to grow up, not really engaging with the people around me, not really speaking the language, um, not adapting. And I, I was so isolated. Um, and so lonely and fearful 
because many places I would go, I would be harassed for my skin color. I would be harassed because I was a girl. Um, and so I have a taste of what that's like and I know how terrible it is. And so then I come back to the States and I start putting pieces of the puzzle together and I realize this has been black Americans experience for centuries. Yeah. Um, and it's ongoing. Right. And, and Chinese Americans here yeah, and absolutely. Latinos now, um, mm -hmm. you know, people driving to public places and shooting tons of people because they're angry at this quote unquote invasion. Um, and so I, I, I don't understand how people who profess to love God and are required then by that creed to love their neighbor as themselves and all the things that we talk about in scripture, like, or we read about in scripture. I don't understand how you can get from that to making, to, to just completely not understanding what's happening around you or being more concerned about your view of, of law and order than you are about every person who doesn't look like you getting harassed and jailed and gunned down in the street and ongoing. And I want to be able to be a bridge. I want to be able to, to have words. I want to be able to sit down with people who are super angry and who attack me and still be okay. Um, but most of the time I don't feel that I am, which is also part of why I'm in therapy. Um, it's, it's so hard. And, and, you know, this has been my community. And so I really had to be building, I've, I really had to build a new community now where I don't have to have like my shield up and be vigilant and always wonder, should I talk about this or not? Um, and then get attacked when I do. Um, yeah. Your TCK experiences played into this. You know, you were talking about how growing up as a minority has given you a greater sympathy and understanding for other minorities and the experiences that they have and that you have a sense of connection um, and relationship with, with them now or sympathy. Empathy. Empathy. Sure. Hmm. That's a lot. I'm really sorry to hear that, um, that your experience was so difficult in, in the Congo. And, um, you talked about, you know, being, uh, being segregated and sexual abuse and, um, all that stuff. It sounds really, it sounds pretty terrible. Yeah, there's a lot of hard stuff about it um, that I'm still unpacking. Mm -hmm. I I think the first time I realized how heavy a lot of this stuff was was a couple years ago when my husband and I went to a sort of like multi-day um, counseling process, and we each had two days to just tell our biography, basically, mm -hmm. like our autobiography. Mm -hmm. And I've never had 16 hours straight to just tell my story and and just after telling all the things that I have experienced um seen everything I was completely shut down my entire body broke out in hives from like the nape of my neck to my heels like mm -hmm. I've never had this happen before mm -hmm. um 
I couldn't engage emotionally anymore. Like I could, I was completely shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just, it was quite, it was quite shocking. And it took me several months to kind of just recover from that experience. And, and, and yeah. And I, I don't want to, again, put any blame on those counselors. They kept telling me like, you don't need to, maybe they just told me to stop, but it was also so, it was so good to be able to just get it all out there. Um, and it's been a messy process of sorting through it ever since. Um, but then too, like I've, I've been realizing now I've been paying attention more and more to how many missionary kids specifically, um, walk away from their experience with a ton of trauma. Ooh. And the ways that we cope with that, um, can be really destructive. Um, I know for me, um, really kind of since, well, just before that process and then um, after that intensive multi-day process, I can't tell you the number of nights I've had insomnia, nightmares. I've had multiple panic attacks. I've cried in front of every professor at my school except for one. And that was like theological German. So it's really hard to get emotional in that class. <laughs> um but I, I like I've had to leave class twice um, in panic attacks, and both of those things were triggered by things that I experienced growing up. Um, and I've just been hearing stories of, you know, uh, suicidal thoughts of friends and de- severe depression, and you know, all the coping, all the coping ways, you know, pornography and alcoholism, and you know, all this other stuff, and. I, I'm, I've been thinking, you know, recently, can we change this? Like, are there, you know, I know you're, you've been involved in, in caring for TCKs, for MKs. Yeah. And I think that's such a crucial ministry and I'm really glad that it's, and work, like, it's just, it's just so important. Um, there are some organizations that are still policing families with small children in war zones um, in countries that most other people would never even travel to. And that wires these kids for trauma for their life. Right. Um, and I, I don't see how that is justifiable and, and, and compatible again with the whole message that, that, a Christian espouses, especially a Christian, you know, going as a, a missionary to serve other people. Like, I think it's one thing to sacrifice your own safety and health and whatever. I'm fine with that. I'm all about self-sacrifice, like, you know, not in an unhealthy way, but, you know, I, we just need more of that in the world. But, but to intentionally allow children to be traumatized and wired for life in that way. I, I don't, I don't think that that's okay. And I don't think that we need to, you know, I think that there are other ways. I think there are other possibilities, but I'm, yeah, it's still very much a, a thing that I'm thinking about and I'm not quite sure what to do with or where to go with it, but. I agree there. We never sacrifice children. That's just not what we do. 
And like you mm. said, that's never okay. Um, mm. That's not a part of our religion. Child sacrifice has never been. Yeah, that's not what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me just ask you, since you know you've taken so much time to very intentionally work through your experience and process and stuff, um, have there been positives as well uh, for being mm. a TCK? And what are those? Yeah, I think I think the positive one positive is being able to see things from different perspectives. I think that is something that TCKs can really tap into. Um, just growing up around so many different people and so many different ways of doing things, um, it can help in realizing that there are multiple ways of living and many of them can be great ways. Um, like there, there are different governing systems that work well. Um, there are different ways of raising children that work well. You know, there's like blessings and different ways and different styles and whatever different foods that are all amazing. <laughs> the food is definitely a highlight. Food is always <laughs> a highlight. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and even um, like if, if TCKs have had the experience of learning other languages and, and living in, in different cultures, um, that's a huge benefit. Um, I think I think our world will just continually need more and more like multilingual, multicultural people um, the more globalized we are. And yeah, sure, English is helpful, but so will Mandarin be and Arabic and a ton of other languages. And learning people's language is a way to understand so much, um, how they prioritize things, what they feel in different areas. And the more of that we learn, the, the better we can understand other people and the better we can love them and live as peaceable neighbors. Um, so I, I think that's really important. And then just just the enjoyment of being able to, to just visit a lot of different places and then have friends in a lot of different places. Um, I could go, I could go so many places in the world and be able to stay on a friend's couch or, you know, mattress on the floor or whatever. Um, so many different countries, like, yeah. And even around the United States, um, because of, you know, friends and family and, um, like the broader missionary community, I can go to, I think every state and have a place to stay. Nice. Um, I've traveled around the United States multiple times. When I was 25, I did a full loop around the United States and wrote like a, on a road trip and I didn't have to stay at a hotel once. I was just able to visit all my friends nice. and that was pretty great. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so you may miss out on having an intense local community and in exchange you have a broad compassionate community mm. it's just yeah a different community right yeah i wonder if someone looking on at that would be like wow what uh what a magical special experience to have such a broad community you know yeah i think i think people really do value that and and um can long for that in different ways. And I can, I can fully like accept that. And I, and I can say I wouldn't have wanted to grow up in, in just one place, um, you know, with all the stuff that it has brought, but I also see the beauty and the benefit of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think too, it's also nice to have people who share their communities mm. with you. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I love having local friends who help make a place for me in their community. Mm-hmm. And I'm also happy to, I connect so many people. I, I just connected an MK from Cameroon to a friend in Taiwan for possible work in East Asia. And that is like routine in my life. And I love that. Um, <laughs> so nice. we can, yeah, we can all help each other into yeah. each other's communities. And Definitely. yeah, that's great. It reminds me when I, when I was living in a tiny house with my family, me and my wife and three kids in a tiny house. And I always said, you know, I love the tiny house life, but don't everybody live in a tiny house because sometimes I want to <laughs> live in a, you know, I want to stay in a great big house. And so if someone else will share their house with me, Every once in a while, like for the weekend or something, that'd be fantastic. So let's not get rid of big houses. Like, don't you live in a tiny house? But that's that's for me. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of sounds similar. Like, I love having an international, love having an international experience and an international community. But let's not all be that way. Somebody needs to settle and have that like intense local community so that I can come and plug into that sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And I, I do plug into that. I found that one of the most helpful things in my life has been to pretend that I'm really good friends with people. (laughs) (laughs) So when I go to a new church, I'll go to the small group and I'll just, you know, share my life with people. And it's perhaps, it's certainly not appropriate um, for everyone everywhere to be that way. You just are not supposed to trust people like that. Um, (laughs) But when I'm trying to plug into a community, I'm like, I don't have time. to take the conventional <laughs> route of building a relationship. I'm just going to I'm just going to pretend that we're really good friends. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, Anastasia, um as we're kind of wrapping up the show, I wanted to ask with all the negatives that you've experienced and all the positive stuff that has gone along with uh, your TCK experience and now um being in the place that you are of navigating your own um your own faith, philosophy, worldview, um your own community, what advice would you give to other TCKs for how to live a healthy life, a healthy whole life, or perhaps to other parents or caregivers of TCKs? Yeah. Well, like I said before, therapy. Um, Preach. Straight up. Yeah. Yes, straight up. I cannot advocate enough. And a good therapist, like um, someone who has been trained academically and also understands the faith system of the person who's coming in and is respectful. Um, it's so important for a therapist to be a comfortable, safe person to talk to. And I've had therapists who were great people, but I just didn't feel like comfortable talking with them. And that, that isn't going to really help. I think that is probably one of the most foundational things I would say. I would also say, um, probably through the therapy, but just in general, that it's really okay to open up and to verbalize emotions, um, questions, and it's really important to not stuff, um, not stuff emotions down or to constantly wear a mask to feel like you have to perform always. Um, I think especially for, for missionary kids, um, who grew up with a lot of pressure on them to behave um, in ways that were considered appropriate by their communities. Otherwise, there could be ramifications on them. There could be ramifications on their parents, and then they could lose their whole world. Like, it's so crucial for them to have a space where they can be real and 
and and safely process through whatever it is that they have to process through. Um, I have a friend who who didn't grow up in a um, a place that had more like war and um, you know that type of environment that I grew up in, but they have other traumas. And for example, one of them was when they um, I think when they were in college, um, they just asked their parents, you know, what if I walked away from my faith? Um, and they were just in this kind of questioning time where they're just, you know, this has always been a given and I don't, I don't know anymore. I just need to wrestle through with this. And the answer from their parents was, well, if you walk away from the faith, we're not going to pay for your school. And can I just give a word to the parents out there? Threatening your children, especially grown-ass children who are like adults, um, that is never a way to their heart. That is never a way to helping them be whole and, and to live at peace, for them to live honestly. Um, if they open up like that to you and you shut them down like that, I don't know if you're ever going to get like a straight answer from them again in terms of how they're actually feeling or thinking, because that creates fear. Um, anything that creates fear is, is going to be super damaging and TCKs are already isolated enough. Um, it's, it's okay for people to have questions. Um, it's okay for them to be angry. Parents and caregivers of TCKs like, Hold your hands loosely around TCKs. Give them a safe environment to be able to be honest with how they're feeling and verbalize it and then help them process through that. Um, don't punish them for saying things that you don't like or, I mean, I, yeah, and it's super challenging. Like I, I also know some other families who are just working through a lot of stuff and you know, some of their kids have been violent in different ways, like physically violent um, and endangering, you know, other people in the family. And, th and that's not okay either. So I'm not, I'm not saying that that's okay, but I just, I think there's so much kind of repression around performing um, and that just does so much damage. So I, yeah, I think just my big, my big soapbox right now is just be honest, be truthful, be open and find spaces if you don't have them where you can be that. Um, yeah. I just cannot say that enough. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And then going back to what you're saying about like TCKs, don't stuff your emotions and um, don't wear a mask. Um, then for that to be true, another way to facilitate that is for uh, parents not to, um, not to, promote that in their children, right? Uh, and not to put mm -hmm. their play children in a place where they do feel like they need to put, be, you know, wearing a mask. And so maybe mm -hmm. to keep your kids out of the spotlight as much as possible mm -hmm. and let let your children be children and let their lives be as private as possible. Yeah. yeah and to model it too. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. You Absolutely. know, for parents to be able to do the work themselves and being yeah. able to model what it is to, to navigate emotions and to apologize when you've responded appropriately um, mm -hmm. that's huge yeah absolutely yeah 
Well, thank you so much, Anastasia, for coming on the show and just sharing your story and sharing some solid advice for TCKs and TCK care people out there. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that and to be so vulnerable and open about your experience, both past and present. That's been really, really meaningful to hear. Yeah, thank you so much. I am still processing, so I feel a lot of this is still kind of disjointed, but it's great to let other people in the process and hopefully can encourage other people who are walking similar journeys. Absolutely. You've been listening to TCK Care, the podcast with me, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs. Hosting and producing TCK Care, the podcast is a part of my ministry, which is made possible by the generous support of my financial partners. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring pledge, please go to tckcare.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned for more TCK Care coming up next week.